Carolee Winstein, PT, PhD, and Fellow of the American Physical Therapy Association, is a professor of biokinesiology and physical therapy and director of the Motor Behavior and Neurorehabilitation Laboratory at the University of Southern California. She is internationally recognized for her work concerning the functional neuro and behavioral basis of motor control and learning and its relationship to neurorehabilitation, especially for the recovery after adult stroke. Dr. Winstein is a member of the research and neurology sections of the APTA and has served as guest editor for physical therapy. Beginning in 2002, she was instrumental in helping to establish and direct the first clinical research network in physical therapy, funded in part through a grant from the Foundation for Physical Therapy. She co-chaired the program committee in three-step a conference sponsored by the Neurology and Pediatric Sections in 2005 that linked basic scientists with clinical scientists and practitioners. Dr. Winstein is, Dr. Winstein is co-principal investigator for the First National Institutes of Health Clinical Trial for Upper Extremity Constraint-Induced Therapy Evaluation, known as EXCITE. She is also co PI for an NIH interdisciplinary study of neuroplasticity, neuroplasticity and stroke rehabilitation. She has over 75 publications in refereed journals and just as many invited presentations. In her career, Dr. Winstein has been honored with some of the best and most prestigious awards in the physical therapy profession, including the Research Award from the Neurology Section, the Eugene Michaels New Investigator Award, the Marion William Award for Research, the John Malley Lecture Award, and the 2000 Mary McMillan Lecture. In 2012, she was honored with the Anne Shumway Cook Translating Neurologic Research to Clinical Practice Lecture Award at Combined Sections Meeting in Chicago. Welcome, and thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedule, I'm sure, to join us today. Thank you, Britta. You are well known for your work in strokes. So when did your, uh, your early work and knowledge of results and feedback start transitioning from, I assume, a normal population to, a, to a, an abnormal, to use that word? Clearly. Yes. Uh, how, how did that happen? So that, that's an interesting transition. And um, so when I first got to USC and I was uh, an assistant professor, I started uh, working with students uh, these were, you know, entry-level students because we our doctoral program was still uh, sort of getting started. Um, but I did have a PhD student right as I started at UCLA uh, at, at USC uh, named Pat Pohl, and so she was. I was sort of building my lab and uh, and mentoring her at the same time. She, you know, really took the ball and, and ran with it. And we started working with these students and doing this sort of guidance work. And then uh, we, uh, we decided that we really you know, needed to transition. We needed to test some of these hypotheses in our patient population. And uh, so uh, my next graduate student was, was Kathy Sullivan. And uh, she was very interested in applying this work in stroke. And, uh, and we developed a collaboration with Alma Mirans. Uh, she had gotten a grant. So we 
took this work and we said, okay, we're just going to look at this in the less involved limb. We're going to have people learn this skill and we're going to uh, give them different levels of feedback. And, uh, and so that was sort of the beginning. And we showed that the stroke patients learned just as well. Their performance wasn't uh, quite as good, interestingly enough, with the uninvolved limb. But they learned just as well, and they did equally well in the less frequent feedback condition as in the 100% condition. So while it didn't uh, replicate my dissertation findings, where the less frequent feedback group actually did better than the 100% group, it showed that we didn't need to be giving as much feedback as we were giving, and we could got, get the same level of learning. Uh, and but this was with the uninvolved limb. So then everybody said, "Well, you gotta, you know, you've gotta look at the involved limb." And uh, and that's when I sort of transitioned and started, you know, doing studies more with you know, the involved limb, and my later graduate students uh, did some very nice work. People are still working in this area of motor control, the involved, the uninvolved limb, um, asking different permutations, different questions. And then the EXCITE trial came along. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I can remember uh, Helen Hislop was my chair at the time, and I was, you know, doing an, a, a lot of different different work. But this was the first sort of clinical trial that, uh, that I had an opportunity to participate in and led by somebody that you know, I considered to be one of my mentors, Steve Wolf. And I wanted to you know, learn how do I do this? You know, how do I coordinate this, you know, these, this number of people and participate in this uh, phase three NIH funded you know, trial? The, concern was it was I thought it was unfortunate that the first approach that was put to the test of at a phase three level was this you know constraint induced movement therapy <laughs> that sort of flew in the face of everything I sort of believed in and thought was valid you know this sort of real uh, you know almost an operant conditioning you know approach uh, where this came out of but I sort of, you know, decided that this would be a good experience for me. I'd learn a lot, and uh, and we all did. We, I think we, you know, this was this was groundbreaking, really, and uh, and you know, learning how to uh, interact and work with, you know, NIH and work with colleagues that maybe don't uh, think about things in the same way. Uh, that was, uh, you know, that was a challenge, but at the same time, it really taught me a lot uh, about, you know, just working with people that had different opinions about things. And, uh, and we managed to, you know, get the job done and, uh, and you know, move it forward. And, uh, and I think it was fundamental to the growth of our profession, to the fact that, you know, you could have physical therapists uh, leading a very large, one of the, I think it was the first NIH-funded phase three level trial um, in stroke rehab. Now there weren't, the, all the phase three trials were in, you know, drugs and devices, and this was, you know, standard in the medical profession. But we hadn't gotten to the point in rehab 
where we had enough evidence to support anything that we were doing. And, you know, this was a time when people were building evidence for things and trying to define who they were and what their contribution was and, you know, how, how can we rehab people? And, uh, and so that was, you know, I, I can't speak more, you know, Deb probably has other thoughts on this, but we just, I think we had, we all learned a huge, huge amount. So how did it influence what you did next? And what did you take from it that you learned not to do in the next, <laughs> in the next round? Yeah. Yeah, I really uh, learned a lot about collaboration and uh, how science is done and how uh, sort of the culture of... Uh, cynicism about you know results and how that can be turned into a positive i've heard it said that the friction between people is what creates the sparks of yes. ideas yes and i think that's very much the case and uh and i think you know letting go of and you know being able to laugh at yourself and you know not taking yourself so seriously is a very important part of collaboration and success in science. Now, have you had a aha moment in uh, in the mo related to motor learning or re stroke rehabilitation? I think I continue to have aha moments. Um, I think the the most recent aha moment, and you know, I do research and I publish these things, but it continues to sort of evolve in my thinking over time. And as I sort of think about these constructs and how they really fit together, and as the science is dynamic and changing, um, I think what's exciting and, and where I would like to sort of move my research is we now have the tools to actually look in the brain and see the different patterns of activation that occur when people are under different conditions of, you know, and when they're learning or when they're in flow or when they're being controlled or not by the therapist. And I think we're going to begin to combine the behavioral and physiological even better than we have done in the past um, to build, you know, the evidence for sort of what's happening in the brain. You know, we talk about plasticity and creating interventions that enhance plasticity, but we really don't know what those are, you know, and we're, we're going a lot on some of the animal studies. And uh, so I, I guess the aha for me is um, science is so dynamic our field is so dynamic, and I, you know, the story is never ending. You know, it's not like, okay, we've done it, you know, that's it, I can close the book on this. It's like, it's like uh, unpacking layers of an onion. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're, we're in that process, and our profession has been doing that sort of beautifully. Um, and I think we're, we're coming of age. And that, that's, 
I don't know if that's an aha, but that's a sort of a, A, I'm very proud, you know, of, of where our profession has come from. Makes me, you know. You proud too? Yes. Well, you've been a big part of it. I mean, if you talk, look, I mean, you're one of the first to do motor learning. I mean, you really have brought a big part of that to the field. So mm -hmm. you should be proud. Well, I am. And I, I have, um, and I'm not done yet, so bye. <laughs> <laughs> this is the end of the abbreviated version of the Carol Lee Winstein interview. Download the full interview to hear more about her work on the eye care trial, along with all of her other major research projects. Thank you for listening.